0: Is God concerned with what we wear? Does He care about the length of our hair? Or if we have a beard? Well, while these may seem like relatively minor issues to some people, they've caused heated debates and sometimes even division in the church. Welcome to Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, welcoming you aboard the Bible bus. Today, Dr. J. Vernon McGee continues our study on Christian freedoms discussed in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So, Go ahead and grab your seat and get comfortable. And while you do, Greg and I have got some great news to share with you about our home groups in Pakistan.
1: And Steve, just those words in juxtaposition. I mean, home groups meeting in a a country that is overwhelmingly Muslim, where there's a lot of hostility against Christianity, and we have thousands of these groups meeting.
0: Yeah, I'm going to get to these letters (laughs) because uh, here's, here's the first one. This is from Bashira. Uh, Bashir says, I am a poor woman and a regular member of a home group. One month ago, I was so sick. I couldn't even walk. But in this situation, I didn't lose my heart and faith. All the members came to my house and listened to the word of the Lord with me. And after listening to the program, they prayed for me. All members also helped me financially to buy medicines and pay my doctor's fees. It was a great miracle for my life. I am very thankful to all members of my group and those who provide for this program.
1: And Steve, this, this is one of the many reasons these home groups are so powerful, because they are about community. It isn't yeah. just the teaching of the word, which is so important. But, you know, we you, you and I love this because when we just broadcast, we have to trust people. Uh, the Holy Spirit and and God himself to to get people into fellowship, but this is encouraging people to be in relationship.
0: Yeah, and that's what Christianity is about. I mean, yeah. to learn it in isolation, okay, yes, you can grow in your faith, yes, there's a, a level of discipleship and growth that's going to happen if you're just listening, let's say, to a radio program that's been broadcast thousands of miles away, let's say, if it's yes. shortwave, right. but in a small group, the body gets to minister to one another. All of those one-anothers the Scripture challenges us to do gets to be exercised in that context.
1: Yeah, and that, that testimony is a great one. Now, here's another one from Navid, My brothers in Christ, you won't believe that I was one of the dirtiest men in the world. Hmm. I was a robber and a drinker, and I had relationships with many women. But God's grace is so beautiful and big for all kinds of sinners because he forgives us, saves us, and blesses us. All this happened when I joined a radio home group. Let's Hmm. just stop right there. He joined a community and he got saved, just like we were talking about. He goes on. It was really a life-changing experience for me. This experience introduced me to God, who washed away all of my sins, and I became light and pure. Hmm. I believe that if any sinner listens to these words of the Lord carefully, nobody can stop them coming to Christ. I am a new creation. Wow. Now. That man, is... I want to meet this guy. Yeah, Naveed, oh, someday man. we will meet. Yeah, amen.
0: Here's another one. This is Naweb. I belong to an illiterate family, I was also not interested in religious activities. I always avoided meeting religious leaders, but suddenly it happened that my life has changed at once. My cousins had a plan to attend radio home class and had me go with them, although they knew that I had no interest in the activities, yet they arranged it and prayed. When I listened to the first program, I was very impressed by the presenter's style. His talking was clear and friendly, it seemed as if he had sat beside us. Over time, my interest in faith increased by listening. My habits, thinking, and interests have changed. I had accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Now I am a believer and a new creation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, We're, we are just uh, smiling from ear to ear, and yep. I, I sure hope you are. As Steve likes to say, if these if these testimonies don't get your spiritual pulse racing. You might want to check it, right? Yeah, you might be uh, you might be <laughs>
0: flatlining there. You should be encouraged. I like it because both these guys, uh, Naweeb and Navid, uh, make reference to saying that they are a new creation yeah, now, yeah. and that's the new birth in Christ yeah. that we all have access to.
1: Yeah, and some of these places around the world where there are other religions predominating, there is so much darkness that when people encounter the light and and the awareness of the power of the gospel you hear these these incredible uh, stories of transformation okay i think we have time for one more yep. now this is from one of the local the leaders you know because these home groups we they have trainings and they train the leaders how to lead the group and how to lead people to christ
0: yeah that's one thing let's just yeah. say let's talk a little bit about particularly in south asia in india bangladesh pakistan this is being run by leaders that are very Organized yes. and systematized and have very specific training. It's not like they're just handing out a bunch of, you know, radio players or whatever yeah, and then having point. people listen. Though there are very intentional people that are going out and doing these. And some of these people have, you know, three and four groups that they're responsible for. I think we yeah. still have time okay. for the letter. Okay.
1: This is what the leader said. One listener called and told us not to tell lies in the program. Hmm. He said that Jesus Christ was Allah's holy messenger, and he was not crucified, but taken up by Allah to heaven. Now, this is a common belief among many Muslims, and this leader goes on. In response, we said that we believe he was taken up to heaven, and there is much evidence to prove that Jesus was crucified. We suggested that we send him a copy of the Bible to read and know exactly what happened. Such an encouragement. (laughs) We could talk
0: so much more about how the unique delivery that Dr. McGee gives really opens up Muslims to have a significant conversation. Greg, pray for us as we begin.
1: Father, we just want to say we praise you for your power in the lives of these and so many others. And we thank you that you are going to continue to use your word to transform lives around the globe. And we ask you to transform our lives now as we study. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Now Dr. J. Vernon McGee will lead us in our study of 1 Corinthians 11 as we go through the Bible.
2: Now we come back today to this 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians, and we saw last time that Paul is saying here that he's put down a principle that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man. The head of Christ is God. Now if a man has been mastered by the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is his head, And the woman, the wife, sees in that man, one that loves her, then she will just normally and naturally make him the head of her life and her home, of course. Now Christ voluntarily submitted himself to the Father and took a place for our redemption, and the head of Christ is God. Now that's the reason we have these tremendous statements made here. Now, in Corinth, the woman was taking a different position altogether. They had the woman's liberation movement going in Corinth years ago. It was going apparently in the wrong direction. Now, we find here that Paul is saying in verse 5, and let me read it. Probably I should read verse 4 again. Every man praying or prophesying... Having his head covered dishonoreth his head. A man should not have his head covered, Paul is saying here when he is speaking for God. Praying means he's speaking for man to God. Making an intercession. Prophesying here means he's speaking for God to man. Now he goes on to say in verse 5, But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head for that is even all one as if she was shaven. Now, from that great principle, Paul draws this statement here. A man should have his head uncovered, and the woman should have her head covered. And he goes on to say, for if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. Now, this has direct application to Corinth, and there are probably two things that we ought to say at this particular junction. Somebody is saying, you do not mean to say that God is giving instruction regarding trivialities like a woman's dress. Certainly, God cannot be concerned with what a woman wears and whether a man gets a haircut and has his head uncovered. Well, the facts are that the Bible makes it clear that God is interested in what you wear and how you fix your hair. He says even the hairs of your head are numbered. And this idea that only your hairdresser knows, God knows, my friend. And he had a great deal to say about these and related subjects. The very details of your lives come in under his inspection. You don't shut him out when you take a bath. The most intimate details of our lives are an open book to him. And can you name anything today, though, that takes up more space in newspapers, magazines, time on radio and TV than what men and women wear? Men's hair affords a lively discussion today. Now let's see what the Word of God has to say. And we need to understand that these are questions that came from the church under in Corinth to Paul, And Paul's going to answer them. Now he says, first of all, man's not to have his head covered, but a woman should have hers covered. Now before we get into that, may I say this? He is saying here, but every woman that prayeth and prophesy, that means that a woman can pray in public and it means she can speak in public. This idea today that the Bible just said that a woman could not do these things is entirely wrong. You know, somebody's going to disagree with me on that, but that's all right. The woman has the right if she has the gift. And by the way, some have it. I know several women today, right today, that are outstanding Bible teachers, and they can out-teach any man. A preacher told me this very candidly. He says, my wife is a much better Bible teacher than I am. And the member of the congregation, in fact, an officer in the church said, we'd rather hear her speak any time than hear him speak. She has the gift. I'm not sure in that case, maybe he ought to stay home and wash the dishes and let her do the preaching. But I don't mean to interfere in that family at all. Now, will you notice, he goes on to say here that she has her head uncovered. She dishonored her head. Now, we need to recognize that there was something that gave this a local application. Now, will you let me read the next verse? For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. Why? Well, it had a peculiar and particular application to Corinth. The unveiled woman in Corinth was a prostitute, and many of them were shaven. Up yonder at the temple of Aphrodite. There were a thousand bestial virgins, so-called, but they were prostitutes. Heads were shaven. And the woman that came with her head uncovered, they were prostitutes. And the women in Corinth said, all things are lawful for me. Therefore, we don't need to cover our head. And this veil is the mark of subjection. It's a mark of subjection. Not to a man, but to God when you go into the church with your hat on or wearing a hat. Now, I think that was the application to card. And after all, isn't a hat a morale builder for a woman today? The wife said to her husband, said, you know, said, every time I get down in the dump, says I go buy me a new hat. And he said, well, I've been wondering where you got those hats. May I say to you, I had some morale builder for a woman, but the dress has to do with the ministry. If she is to lead, she ought to have her head covered. Now, if she's not, there's nothing wrong with her going in with that at all. In fact, there are several other passages, and I'll have to bring them up at this time. For instance, over in 1 Timothy, the second chapter, verses 8 through 10, Paul says, I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner, he says, I will, therefore, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair, gold, or pearls, but which becometh women, professing godliness with good works. Now, what Paul is saying here is simply this that if she is to lift up holy hands in the service, in leading, why, she is not to come adorning herself in this way. Why? Well, very candidly, the woman is not to use sex appeal in approaching God. That's it exactly, my friend. God says that she's not to use that at all. And she will never actually win her husband by that. Notice what Peter said in 1 Peter, the third chapter. He says, likewise, ye wives be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may be without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. Now, will you notice what he says down in verse 4? He says, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, of great price. And then he goes on to say in verse 7, likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, that is spiritual knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as under the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. And many a family today have their prayers hindered because the husband and wife are not getting along as they should. And not using the proper approach. God is saying to the wife there in 1 Peter, you can't win your husband to Christ by sex appeal. Not that she's not to use it, but you'll never win anyone like that. Jezebel tried it, didn't work. Queen Esther tried it, didn't work. Salome tried it and didn't work. But those that really stand out in Scripture as being Marvelous, wonderful, godly women that God used, Sarah, Deborah, Hannah, Abigail, and Mary, the mother of Jesus. These are things that we have mentioned here. Now, will you notice as we move on down in this particular section here, he says in verse 7, now he's talking about this principle that he's given back up here as it applies to the man. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he's the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. And that's a very important thing to keep in consideration. I'm not concerned about this women's liberation movement today at all. I believe that a woman's place is to be a helpmeet to the man and the other part of him. And no man is complete without a woman. There's no question about that. Now, the exceptions to that, of course. We'll have occasion to go into that later in other passages. Verse 10, For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. And there is something, again, a reference to angels that I don't understand. But I'm of the opinion that we are being observed today by God's created intelligences. And if you today knew that you're actually out on a stage in this little world, and all of God's created intelligences are watching today, well, they're finding out about the love of God because they know we're not worthy of the love of God. God would have done well probably to have gotten rid of us, to have removed us from his creation, but he didn't. He loved us. And that display of his love is in his grace to save us. Now we see here, he goes on to say, verse 11, Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. And this is the power of the woman. Hold her man because she's a woman. And the man hold his woman because he's a man. That is the marriage relationship, my friend. And when that doesn't exist, why Believe me, you don't have that which is God's ideal for any moment. Now will you notice, verse 12, For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman. But all things are of God. You see, they're inseparable. No man is a sphere. He's a hemisphere. No woman is a sphere. This woman's liberation today. It's nonsense for either man or woman to talk about liberation. The man needs the woman. The woman needs the man. And that is the thing that is important. Liberty, my friend, the liberty is a glorious relationship in marriage today. That is the thing that is all important. Now, will you notice here, he said, judge in yourselves. Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? And I personally feel like that no woman ought to call attention to herself. When she's in public, that is, speaking for the Lord or teaching a Bible class, uh, that sort of thing, it should be no appeal to sex, which is tremendous. Her appeal there is a tremendous thing. She has the power to either lift a man up or drag him down. Now, verse 14, Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it's a shame unto him. But here's a verse I'd like to put it up in public places all over this land today. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it's a shame unto him. Now, there was a Nazarite vow back in the Old Testament. We've seen that, that man took, and they did it dedicated to God. One of the things, they were not to cut their hair. And that meant that they were willing to bear shame for God's sake. And actually, Samson was not a strong individual physically. He was a little dried-up, weaselly little old man. He was a Mr. Milktoes. Ran home when he saw a pretty girl and told his mama to get her for him. May I say to you, he had long hair. And it was because he was a Nazarite. Now, there's something else, though. We ought not to stop with that and let me move on. But if a woman have long hair, it's a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Now, let me say this. Why, today, we have liberty in Christ. Now, my brother, if you want to grow long hair, you grow long hair. There's some men, they are not able to grow long hair. Several of my friends are coming out on top today, I'll tell you. Today, our moral values have been turned upside down, and there's a danger of being an extremist and going in either direction. There is a rebellion today against Puritan theology, and there is a danger, therefore, of moving in an extreme direction. It's like the lady who went to the psychiatrist, and her family had urged her to go, And so the psychiatrist asks her, says, what really seems to be your trouble? Well, she says, they think it's strange that I like pancakes. Oh, he says, well, there's nothing wrong in liking pancakes. Well, he says, you know, I like pancakes. She says, you do? Well, says, well, come over sometime. I've got trunks filled with them. My friend, you can be an extremist, you see, in that which is a normal thing. You can let your hair grow too long if you're a man. Now, for a woman, it is her glory. But now Paul says that it's not really the haircut, and it's not the style of the dress after all. He says here, we have no such custom, neither in the churches of God. And I don't think the church ought to make rules in this connection at all about women's dress or men's hair today. It's the inner man. It's that old nature that really needs a haircut. And all of us need the robe of righteousness. And my friend, if we're clothed with the robe of righteousness, and this old nature of ours is under control of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is giving it a haircut, then may I say to you that I think that will take care of the outer man, and it wouldn't really make any difference about the dress. Paul says, we really have no rule. Paul's just telling you what he thinks and what would be best. After all, in Christian liberty, we are to think of others. And what is your testimony to others? Now, we come down to another section, and I'm saving it for next time purposely because we go from one actual extreme here to the other, women's dress and men's hair, and we take up now the Lord's Supper, next time. And this, my friend, is a very important and probably it is the most sacred, holy part of our relationship to God today. I'm confident that this is something, the Lord's Supper, that's greatly misunderstood in our churches, and that as a result, why, it's almost blaspheming the way that it's observed in some places. And Paul is going to say here that God judges you in the way that you observe the Lord's Supper and that among the Corinthians, actually there were some that were sick and some had died. Why? Well, but simply because of the way that they observed the Lord's Supper. They did not discern the body of Christ. I wonder if we do today. The thing that, Most of us observe is a method that is used. We note every detail of the ritual. But do we really discern the body of Christ in the Lord's Supper? They've asked questions about this, and Paul has heard certain things that were taking place in Corinth. So until next time, friends, may God richly bless you.
0: Well, that's a great introduction to our next study. I sure hope that you'll hop aboard the Bible bus and join us for a very special message by Dr. McGee. Until then, if you'd like to be in touch, you can always call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE. You can email us at BibleBus at ttb.org or visit ttb.org yourself. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I'll meet you here next time. Through the Bible is a five-year study of God's entire Word, and together we discover God's purposes in history and our lives, found only when we believe in Jesus Christ. Do you know Him yet?